Hi, I'm Carmen LeBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Merry Christmas. We're looking back at some of our important conversations this past year. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. If we're gonna Christmas. This is the day. This is the day the Lord has made. This is the day everything changed, and this is the day that changes everything. Welcome to a special Christmas edition of Mornings with Carmen. So glad to be sharing this time with you. The world in solemn stillness lay in desperate need of a Savior. And on this day, a Savior was born to us, a son given. It literally all rests on his shoulders. He is the Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. This is the day. This is the day everything changed. And this is the day that changes everything. Of his reign, there shall be no end. Jesus is the good news. Jesus is the great joy. And it's for all people. And that includes you. So Merry Christmas. The writer of the Gospel of John put it this way. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, The world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or of a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. A few verses later, John's gospel continues this way. John, now this John is actually referring to John the Baptist. John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said there's a man who comes after me who has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. And then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I didn't know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain, that's the one who's going to baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify, this is God's chosen one. My friend, Jesus is the gift of God that you need this Christmas. Jesus is your Christmas miracle. Jesus is the answer to the prayer you didn't even know how to pray. 
Today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day sums it all up, and it comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Christmas is about a gift, and that gift is a person, and that person has a name, and it is Jesus. God loves you so much. God has loved you since the foundations of the earth. God has loved you from eons before you were born. God loves you so much that he wrapped a Christmas gift in the person of Jesus and delivered it through a virgin named Mary. I know that sounds crazy, but it's true. The gift of Christmas is a person, God's own son. And God gave that gift in Jesus that then Jesus might give his life for our salvation. So you've probably seen a lot of Christmas trees. You might have a Christmas tree. You might be looking at your Christmas tree right now. And Christmas is, in fact, about a tree. But not the tree you're thinking of. But the tree that is the cross, the tree that makes eternal life possible. The Christmas tree connects the tree of life from Genesis to the tree of the cross at Calvary to the tree described as for the healing of the nations in Revelation. And so as we enter into this day, I would invite us to not fail to remember the real tree, the real person, the real reason. His name is Jesus, and God gave him. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God gave him his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Christmas has a purpose. Christmas has a point. Christmas has a meaning. Christmas has a reason. I hope and pray that you would receive the gift God gives this Christmas, the gift of his only son, Jesus. So Merry Christmas, and welcome to a very special Christmas Day edition of Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. Well, good morning again. I'm Carmen LaBurge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen here on Faith Radio. This is a um, special recorded edition of the show during this Christmas week. So Merry Christmas to you. We're going to talk about unwrapping the gift of Jesus in our lives. God has sent us this amazing gift, his very son. So what does it look like to unwrap the gifts of God that come to us in the person of Jesus? I mean, as the song says, give me Jesus, you can have all the rest, just give me Jesus. What does it mean um, to open the gift of Christ in our lives? I mean, have you considered the gifts of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord? We actually talked about this um, a couple of weeks ago, and so many people positively responded. And so I just wanted to account again um, 
for the gifts. And again, they're innumerable. The gifts we receive in Christ are beyond our ability to enumerate. And yet every once in a while, I think it's good for us to count um, a few of them. So what are the gifts of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord? We are justified by faith. We have the joy of salvation. We have peace with God and the peace of God. We have access to the Father. Like, just think about that for a moment. You can enter the throne room of heaven because of Jesus. We have the gift of prayer in Jesus' name. We stand before God in grace, covered in Christ. We have the hope of glory. We have the Holy Spirit and the fellowship of the saints, the very body of Christ. We have one another. We have the love of God now and forevermore. We're reconciled to God in Christ, and because of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, we become reconciled to ourselves and then to one another. We have the gift of a new family. We are adopted into the household of faith. We become brothers and sisters in Christ, the very children of God. We have the gift of redemption, spiritual gifts, the promises of heaven. Yes, we have forgiveness of sins, and we also have victory over sin itself. We have purpose in life. We have hope beyond death, the very righteousness of Christ. We have life now and glory forevermore. We have mercies new every morning. We have Christ interceding for us now, preparing a place for us that we might go and be with him forever. We have freedom from fear. There's no condemnation in Christ. We have an advocate. We have the hope of glory. We have the presence of God, the word of God, the provision of God, the guidance of God, the protection of God against the enemy. We have all spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. We have a future inheritance. We are a people who are kept, filled, called, sent, loved. What a gift. What gifts we have in Jesus. Give me Jesus. You can have all the rest. Just give me Jesus. So what does that mean? What does it mean to receive the good gift of God in Jesus Christ? Let me start with who Jesus is. If we look at John 1, verse 1, we read this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Well, what does it mean that God gave us his Son if what John says is that this is really all about the Word and the Word becoming flesh? There's no mention here of the Son, just the Word. John says of the Word that the Word is God, the Word was God, with God, um, therefore somehow distinct from God. The Word was with God. The Word has always been in existence. It didn't come into being because of God, because the Word is in the beginning with God. So John goes on then to identify Jesus as the Word of God. If you drop down to verse 14 of John 1, he says, And the Word became flesh. That's the incarnation. That's Christmas. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory. Glory as of, and hold on here, the only Son from the Father. There's the language. Now, that's pretty mind-boggling. God is Father, God is Son, and God is Holy Spirit. Three, and yet one. And the Father sends the Son, and we receive him by the power of the Spirit. But not everyone receives the gift of God in Jesus. John makes that very plain. He says in Verses 11 and 12, he came 
to his own and his own people did not receive him. But some people did. And to those, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So in a nutshell, that's what it means to receive Jesus. It means to believe in his name, to believe that he is the Son of God, the Word made flesh to dwell among us, full of grace and truth, and that through him, the glory of the Father is revealed. So do you believe? And have you received? Because with Christ comes immeasurable gifts you could barely imagine. And how do you receive him? Have you received him as Savior and enthroned him as Lord? We're going to talk about what it looks like to open up the gift of Jesus in our lives in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. TikTok. Yeah, TikTok is an app, but TikTok is also the reality of the year winding down to the end. So we're making lists. We're checking them twice. Things done, things left undone, gifts given, gifts we still need to buy. Would you help us with a gift before the end of the year? Time is ticking away, and this ministry is not possible without you. So I'm wondering if before the end of the year, you would make your best tax-deductible gift to support Faith Radio. Your gift right now keeps the good news in front of more people everywhere, all the time, anywhere, accessible through the Faith Radio app and at MyFaithRadio.com. So thank you for giving by clicking the link in the show notes or by giving today at MyFaithRadio.com. TikTok. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen here during the Christmas week on Faith Radio. And so this is a special pre-recorded broadcast. We're so glad that you're here today. Um, want to wish you a Merry, Merry Christmas. We're talking about receiving the good gift of God in the person of Jesus. What does that look like? And what does it look like to open the gift of Jesus in our lives? First of all, um, I think that on Christmas, we think about opening a gift as just this personal experience. And certainly opening the gift of Jesus in our lives is a personal experience. No question about it. Um, He comes in order to be your Savior and the Lord of your life, but he also comes to be the Savior of the world and the Lord of all. The day is coming. It's not here yet, but it will come when every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We have a personal um, stake in that because we are one of those people but we are but one. In 1 John 3, we read this. Behold what manner of love the Father has given to us. So the gift there is love. Behold what manner of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. And we're going to remind ourselves um, back in the first chapter of John's gospel, how do we become children of God? Well, we receive um, the one whom God has sent to all those who received him. That's Jesus, the Son of God. The Word became flesh to dwell among us. All who did receive him, who believed in his name, that's what receiving means. It means to believe. He gave the right to become children of God. And then here in 1 John 3, 1, behold, what manner of love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. I want you to think for a moment about how children relate to one another in a family. 
We relate to one another as brothers and sisters as each of us relates to the Father. Um, Each and every one of us is uh, in a position because of Jesus to cry out, Abba, Father, as individuals. But we also come together as the children of God, praying together, our Father who art in heaven. So yes, you are a child of God and I am a child of God, adopted through Christ into a body of believers, a family of faith, into the household of God. So I want us to consider today and in the days to come, our role in the household. Like, what's your role in the household of, of God, in the household of faith? What, what's your role and what's mine? What are we called and sent to do once we are believers, once we have received Christ? How do we um, unwrap the gift of Christ by the power of the Spirit in our lives? Because God has called us and poured his Holy Spirit into us for a purpose, in order that we might live into all of the good works he has prepared in advance for us to do. We are instruments of his grace. We are ambassadors of his kingdom. Um, We are tools. And so how is it that God wants to use us? And God has fully equipped us um, for that work. So let's think about that for a moment. We start unwrapping uh, the, the gift of God in Christ as we discover and cooperate with the Holy Spirit that's working within us. So when we receive Christ, when we believe in him, the Holy Spirit um, comes to dwell within us. And so maybe um, this week and into this new year, maybe what we need to be doing is getting to know the Holy Spirit a little bit better, the one who brings peace, the one who is counselor, the one who comes alongside, the one who is transforming us by one degree of glory into another, more into the likeness of Christ. Um, maybe we need to recognize that there is a spirit operating within the world, and that is a spirit quite opposite to and contrary to the Holy Spirit. So maybe we need to think about what it looks like to operate in the opposite spirit of the world, to operate in the spirit of Christ. I mean, what does that look like? How well do you know the Holy Spirit? Maybe getting to know the Holy Spirit is something you could spend time doing uh, this week and in this coming year. The Holy Spirit has lots of different roles um, in the Godhead, uh, and I think it's important for us to understand that the Holy Spirit is given to people who believe in Jesus in order that we might be bound together with God and with one another to help us become more like Christ, to make of us a body of believers, the very body of Christ in the world today. And so for Christians, the experience of eternal life doesn't begin when we die. It begins when we trust in Jesus, when we believe in his name, when we receive him, and God places his spirit within us. That's when your eternal life, the life Christ died to give you and rose that you might have, that's when your eternal life begins. It's, it, doesn't, it doesn't start when you die. As a Christian, it starts when you really start living the full life that Christ died that you might have. It's the Spirit-empowered, the Spirit-filled life. 2 Corinthians um, chapter 1, verses 21 and 22 says, Now it's God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us. He set his seal of ownership on us. He put his Holy Spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. So throughout the Bible, um, the Holy Spirit equips people to do what God 
calls and sends them to do. He equips them for ministry. It's the Holy Spirit that gives people specific insight and wisdom and teaches people how to interpret God's Word and communicate with the Father. It's the Holy Spirit who translates the words we speak into prayers unto the ear of God. Um, It's the Holy Spirit that empowers us to live according to God's design, to not only understand God's character and God's will, but to actually then operate in it. So the Holy Spirit is operating right now in the lives of believers. What is he doing? What is the Holy Spirit doing? Well, here's a few verses um, about the work of the Holy Spirit. First of all, from Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. The Holy Spirit lives within the followers of Jesus and produces lasting changes in our character, like visible, evident fruit. Jesus says you will know it, you know them by their fruit. Well, here's the fruit he's talking about. The fruit of the Spirit, how you can tell that the Holy Spirit is operating in the life of a person, the fruit of the Spirit, the evidence of it is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So one of the um, fruit inspections that you and I can do is to look at our lives and say, okay, over the course of the past year, can I see an abundant harvest in my life, a greater evidence of the fruit of the Spirit? Is there actual demonstrable evidence of love, of joy, of peace. You see how it works. The Holy Spirit also teaches the truth about Jesus. John 14, 26 tells us, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. When when God brings a passage of Scripture to mind when you are reading a headline or in the midst of a conversation, that's the Holy Spirit. That is evidence of the Holy Spirit's work um, in and on you, that the, that the Holy Spirit would bring a verse of Scripture to mind, a character um, to mind, a character trait or attribute or a way of God to mind, and then convict you to live and walk in it. The Holy Spirit also says what the Father tells him to say. When he, the Holy Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Again, those are the words of Jesus in John 16, verse 13, about the Holy Spirit. Um, The Holy Spirit also gives believers the power to share their faith. You might turn to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And the Holy Spirit produces God's love in our hearts. The Holy Spirit is also the promise of the great things to come for those who trust in God. You might read Ephesians chapter 1 to read some of the promises of God um, for those who are in Christ Jesus. You are included in Christ. You were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, again, back to John 1, that is how we receive Jesus by believing. When you believe, Paul says, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing your inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possessions to the praise of his glory. 
And yes, the Holy Spirit, this is probably the most well-known thing about the Spirit, gives people spiritual gifts, skills and abilities that we need to share God's love. Um, So we're going to talk in the next few days about spiritual gifts, and we're going to unwrap the gifts that come with the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is Mornings with Carmen, a special Christmas edition during this Christmas week. We are applying the mind of Christ to the matters of the day. And what matters on this day is Christmas. So what matters on this day is Jesus Christ. How is it that you're cultivating the mind of Christ? Are you thinking about what you're thinking about? How are you thinking about what you're thinking about? Why are you thinking about it that way? These are good questions for us to sit down and ponder from time to time. And so encourage you to do that. Carve out a little time today and think about what you're thinking about. Think about what Christmas is and who it's about and what that really means. And then have a conversation with someone else. What are they thinking about? And how are they thinking about what they're thinking about? You see how it works. That's how you cultivate and uh, converse about the mind of Christ and how the mind of Christ would help us think about and consider and then act reasonably in the world in which we live, which, you know, from time to time seems pretty unreasonable. All right. So whether your house is littered with wrapping paper or not this morning, I hope that whatever else you're unwrapping, you are unwrapping the gifts that come with the gift of Jesus and the gift of God's Holy Spirit. So as a reminder, God has sent you a gift today. So even if your Christmas day is not filled with all the trappings of 21st century American commercialized Christmas, like if your Christmas day is not delivering all of the things that you might have hoped, I want you to remember, in fact, I invite you to receive the one who comes as a gift to you today, the one who comes as the very light of the world, that you might receive the one who lights up creation itself. Even in the dimness or maybe the darkness where you find yourself, let the light of Christ shine into your life right now. Author Emily Hunter McGowan explores Christmas as the season of light. My conversation with Emily is coming up next on this special Christmas Day edition of Mornings with Carmen. So I'm glad to be sharing this time with you. So thank you for the privilege of being together on this Christmas morning as we consider the light that shines. Thanks for listening to this special Best of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge on Faith Radio. All right, we're going to make a new friend today. Her name is Emily, Emily Hunter McGowan. She is today coming to us as the author of Christmas, The Season of Light. But Emily's got a lot going on in her life, so we want to get to know her today as we talk about um, this book. Emily, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you. It's good to be with you. Okay, it's really fun to have you. Um, first of all, I need to know a little bit about the Anglican Diocese of Churches for the Sake of Others, because that is the sure. greatest diocese name I have ever heard in my whole life. <laughs> yes, I, I've heard that it's kind of a mouthful too, but I I, I do appreciate it. Um, we are a church planting diocese in the Anglican Church uh, of North America, and so we have churches across the country, all of which are, are new plants. Um 
through our the leadership of our bishop Todd Hunter. Okay, so um, now yeah, now I'm going to provoke the question: Why do we need new churches? I mean, you know, aren't there aren't there an Emily? Aren't there enough churches? There just seems like there's churches everywhere. Why do we need to plant new churches? It's true, and there is certainly good work and ministry to be done in already established churches. At the same time, uh, there are many places, especially for us that in the Anglican tradition that don't have um, Anglican worship, and we think that this this way of worship, the Anglican way of of life, can be very meaningful as people try to follow Jesus today, and it can also be very um, useful for evangelism. There, there's something mm-hmm. about the rootedness in the tradition of the church that I think speaks to contemporary people, especially young people. And new churches, I think, are often best equipped to to do that kind of outreach. So as people um, come to Jesus, as they um, come to faith, as they mm-hmm. begin to follow him, um, one of the things that they are invited into is a different calendar, like, right, the church calendar. And so as we approach the season of Advent, which, you know, some of us recognize as the beginning of the calendar year for the church, but other people, like, they they just know it as the time that everybody around America puts up their lights and starts buying presents. Can you talk a little bit, well, can you talk a little bit about your own experience, maybe as a child in terms of of Christmas, and then why it's important to you to introduce us and invite us into Advent. Yeah. So I grew up in a very secular household. We did not go to church. Christmas was was certainly a, a special holiday, but m- mainly for secular reasons. I always had this sense that there was something more, but never, never really was exposed to it until I was a teenager. I became a Christian in a Southern Baptist church and um, at that time, didn't know what the church calendar was. It took many years uh, further for me to be introduced. But one of the things I love that Jerome Berryman says in the Godly Play curriculum is that the mystery of Christmas, along with the mystery of Easter, these are these two great mysteries of the Christian faith. And it takes time to get ready to approach them. There, if you If you go too fast, you might miss it. And um, over the years, Advent has become a season to prepare oneself to approach the mystery of Christmas. Now, originally, Advent was meant to look forward to the second coming of Christ, to anticipate final judgment, God making the world right. But it's also, I think, a way to to get prepared for, for the coming of Christ in the Incarnation. Talk with us. Um, I love this language of preparing to approach. Um, And I think of all the ways that as, you know, as a, as a part of the rhythm of Christmas, we're preparing, we're preparing our homes, we're preparing our lists, we're preparing our travel plan, we're preparing all these things, but are we preparing to approach the nativity? Can you, I love in the introduction, um, and again, we're talking uh, about the book, Christmas, the Season of Life and Light. It's a part of the Fullness of Time series. We're talking with Emily Hunter McGowan. Um, in the introduction, you talk about the physical approach to, you know, what what is celebrated as the place of the nativity in, in Bethlehem today. And there's a physical, there's a physical experience of doing it. That's right. Yeah. If you go to the actual spot that tradition says, is the place where Mary gave birth to Jesus. There's a lot of things you have to do. You're, I have never, unfortunately, been myself, but I've been told that it's a long, winding way 
to get down to the grotto. Uh, and if you physically want to touch the spot, you have to crouch and and put your hand out uh, to touch the the place where Jesus was, according to tradition, born. And I think it's a good metaphor. Um, while while all the like you said, the the menus are being prepared and gifts are being purchased and plans are being made, that we ought to also be preparing our hearts and our minds and our bodies to approach what God has done in Christ uh, to come amongst us. I think there should be a small door in the, like we have these massive church doors today on the fronts of our buildings. You know, they're these big doors, but there should be a little door like in, (laughs) in the, well, in the churches in, in, is in Israel, like that you're talking about, like you, there's a lot of crouching down. There's a lot of bending low to get into places. And it could just be that we're a whole lot taller than people were then. Like that's totally possible. Maybe we're bigger, but there is just a lot of getting down low. And that was true in, um, in in churches in other parts of um, uh, of Europe, as the you know as Christianity moves westward, there there's always a little door somewhere. And right. sometimes it's in the big door. And so I'm like thinking to myself, I maybe we need some smaller doors. Maybe we because we need some crouching down. So talk about the physical. <laughs> like, well, yeah. not all of us. I mean, you know, you mentioned you know coming to Christ in a Southern Baptist church. There's no, there's no um, getting on your knees. There's no physical. That's not happening. Um, those mm-hmm. physical rhythms, but that is happening. My guess is in the Anglican Church of which you are now a part. It's obviously happening among our Orthodox and Roman Catholic friends. Talk with us about some of that. Like, there's some, there's some physical um, expression related to the rhythms of what you introduce us to in this book. Yes, absolutely. I think one of the one of things that the Anglican tradition and other liturgical traditions can offer, especially those of a more evangelical uh, persuasion, is the recognition that we are embodied people and that God wants to teach us through our bodies as well as through our minds and our hearts and that our body, mind and heart are connected. And so gestures like kneeling, like laying prostrate, like crossing ourselves, like uh, standing and sitting, these are all part of training our bodies to respond with the right feelings. Even when you don't feel the feelings, sometimes the gesture itself can actually teach you to feel the right things, to think in the right ways. Not always, of course, it's not automatic, it's not a magic trick, but uh, our body's involvement and discipleship is really important. And so, Simply being at church, kneeling when you're invited to pray, standing when you're invited to hear the word. These are the kinds of things that help to disciple us uh, better, I think, in the way of Jesus by the Spirit's power. Um, I want to I want to pivot and have a difficult conversation because, you know, all, Christmas is joyous and wonderful and hard. Um, yeah. And the reason we need light is because of so much darkness. And so. Um, one of the reflections that you offer um, is Christmas in the year 2012. Um, Mm -hmm. And just 10 days before the start of Christmas, so again, the start of Christmas is a good conversation to have, um, Mm -hmm. was the Sandy Hook Elementary School Massacre in Newtown, Connecticut. Mm -hmm. Um, Talk with us a little bit about gathering with other people, um, particularly in times of deep darkness and um, the the goodness of the news that the light shines? 
Right. Yeah. So one of the things I point out is that anytime these types of events happen, there's always candlelight and there's always some sort of singing happening. And it it seems like this is one of the things that Christians do. And it can seem so small in the face of so much evil and destruction and suffering. And yet there's a kind of stubborn insistence, (laughs) stubborn resistance to the darkness when we light candles, when we gather together, when we sing, that says that the darkness doesn't have the last word, that, that there is in fact hope in Christ, and that even when we can't see it, we can't see how all things are being made new, that that is in fact what God is doing by his spirit. And so I, I think there's something really valuable about that that again, physical action, gathering together, holding hands, lighting candles, and singing. It's a way that we protest the evils of this world and say, this is not the end. Uh, Darkness doesn't win. Christ does. We're going to continue our conversation here in just a moment with Emily Hunter McGowan. The book is Christmas, the Season of Life and Light. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Feelings, nothing more than feelings. I mean, seriously, if all we had was nothing more than feelings, we would just be lost in a sea of mush. Hello, friend. Uh, I'm sure you have noticed by now that feelings are a terrible barometer of the truth. Our feelings are affected by the weather, world events, what we ate last night, whether or not someone we like or love texted or tagged us in a social post, how badly someone else sings. Yeah. Mm hmm. So if you're feeling lonely right now, I want you to ask yourself, am I really ever truly alone? Of course not. As a follower of Christ, Jesus promises to be with you always. He's literally with you right now in the thick of it, in the midst of whatever circumstances you're dealing with in your life. So I want to be a source of hope and encouragement to you today. If you are struggling to make it, even just to the next moment, if you're feeling lonely, Text the word HOPE to 877-933-2484. All right, we don't know how much uh, people are going to spend today on Cyber Monday, but we do know that people spent more than $10 billion on uh, just online shopping um, on Mm. Black Friday. And so when we talk about Christmas, um, we are talking about a season of getting for a lot of folks. Um, But it is first and foremost a season of giving when God um, gives his son in the person of Jesus. He takes on flesh to dwell among us full of grace and truth. Before Jesus can go to the cross, he's got to come in bodily form. He comes in um, in the form of a human being uh, born of a, a woman named Mary in a place called Bethlehem, real people living in a real place at a real time in human history. We call it Christmas. It is the Christ Mass. Uh, Here to talk with us about it today is Emily Hunter McGowan. The book is Christmas, The Season of Life and Light. Let's talk about Christ Mass. Most of us don't call it Christ Mass, but that's what it is. It is, yes. Uh, The Mass there, of course, is, is from the days of the medieval church, uh, it's referring to the the worship, the liturgy of the church. And so one of the things I encourage folks in my book and elsewhere is, yes, keep the Christ in Christmas. But let's also keep the mass in Christmas. Uh, worship is part of our, our life as Christians. And it's important that we gather together uh, at these times. You seem like a very cool person. 
<laughs> is it okay for me to just like say that out loud? Like, I will take it. I my kids I'm would like. I wish I lived closer. It. I like feel like I would be your friend. I don't know if you'd want to be my friend, but I would like. I'm like. I really like her. Yeah. Okay. You're. You you do not think your kids would say so? No. I mean, I've got a 14, 13, and 10 year old. Mm-hmm. They do not think mm-hmm. I'm cool. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, there you go. You can tell them that somebody else thinks you're cool. Other people I will think I'm cool. There you go. Carmen says I'm um, cool. There you go. Carmen says I'm cool. Um, so um, I want to talk a little bit about the rhythm of the Christian year. I know that uh, the calendar, the uh, because a lot of people would be familiar maybe with Advent, this season of preparation for then the season of Christmas. So I'm going to talk about the fact that Christmas is a season. It's not a day. It actually starts on the day we call Christmas, Christ Mass, but it goes on from there. Can we Can we talk about that? Yes, I would love to. So the 12 days of Christmas from the song are What? Actually, it's not just a song? What? It's not just a song. Blowing it's, our it's minds. <laughs> from January, I'm sorry, from December 25th through January 6th is the Christmas season. Christmas tide is another word for it. And it really does span those 12 days. It's meant to be all 12 days observed as the season of Christmas. So a lot of folks think that the 12 days are counting down to Christmas, but it's not. It's That is from December 25th through January 6th, at least on the Western calendar. So you have an excuse then to continue to party. <laughs> the 25th is not the the only day of Christmas. You have 12 days. And so you can make special items. You can still gather for parties. You can leave your tree and your decorations up longer if you want to. Uh, because that's that is in fact the Christmas season. It um, it was established back in the sixth century, so this is all very old, um, and we can certainly observe it for for longer than the commercial calendar tells us that that we do. So uh, one of the things that is a part of this book, Christmas: The Season of Life and Light. If you turn to the back of it, um, you will see these scriptures and these collects. Um, for Christmas tide, and so let me just read as we as we close our conversation today with Emily Hunter McGowan. Um, the book is Christmas: The Season of Life and Light. It's the Fullness of Time series. Let me just read um, the prayer for the first Sunday after Christmas Day. Almighty God, you have poured upon us the new light of your incarnate Word. Grant that this light, enkindled in our hearts may shine forth in our lives through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. What a gift. What a gift, Emily, to meet you today. Um, Thank you for the gift of this beautiful book. Thank you for the brevity of it. Thank you for the resources um, that it contains. Um, I feel like it's a wonderful companion for our Advent and Christmas journey. I hope so. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. That's Emily Hunter McGowan. She teaches um, uh, theology um, and and at Wheaton. I should say where. Um, and she is a part of um, this wonderful group of people that has put together this Fullness of Time series. And so we'll probably walk through the remainder of the Fullness of Time series as the Christmas, or as the Christmas, as the Christian year unfolds. So we will look forward beyond Advent and Christmas to um, 
to Lent and Easter and Pentecost. And so, um, so thank you, Emily, for getting us uh, started today. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Thanks again for joining me on this Christmas Day edition of Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. I hope you are unwrapping all of the gifts that God sends on Christmas, not only the person of Jesus, but all of the gifts that come with the person of the Holy Spirit. I came across this story related to not only um, the Christmas story as recorded in the Gospel of Luke, but the song or the carol, O Holy Night, which is one of my absolute favorites. So I thought I would share with share this with you today. So in 1906, Reginald Fezenden, I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that, um, but he was 33 years old. He was a university professor, and he was the former chief chemist for Thomas Edison. And he did something that everybody to that point thought was impossible. Using a new type of generator <clears throat> that we would now call a radio, he spoke into a microphone, and for the first time in history, a voice was broadcast over airwaves. He read from a book, the book of Luke. It came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. He continued reading from the first chapter of the gospel according to Luke. And in a clear, strong voice, radio operators on ships and wireless owners at newspapers were shocked. They were used to hearing Morse code over their tiny speakers. Instead, they heard a voice speaking, reading the gospel. They had no idea where it came from. The professor finished, finished his reading and he picked up his violin and he played a song and it was O Holy Night. So the first words ever spoken over what we would now call the radio was the gospel. And the first song ever played over what we would call the radio was O Holy Night. And that song, one of my favorite Christmas songs of all time, was written by an avowed atheist. Did, did you know that? Did you know that? So um, <clears throat> the person who wrote this song, whose last name is Kapow, um, he lived in a town where he served as the mayor, um, and he um, was asked by the parish priest, Father Pettigene, to write a Christmas poem that might celebrate the renovation of their organ. Now, Mr. Kapow um, agreed to do it, but he didn't know anything about the Christian story. And so he researched the book of Luke, and that's when he wrote the lyrics to O Holy Night. And an opera singer named Emily Laurie saw the text and asked a Jewish friend to compose music for it, which he did. And she uh, sang it at a midnight mass three weeks later. Now, I want you to think about that for just a moment that the words to O Holy Night were written by an atheist, and the melody was written by a person who is not a believer in Jesus. Today's a good day to <clears throat> remember that we should invite our non-believing neighbors into the joy and into the light. What might we ask a non-believer to do today that might expose them to the gospel? O Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining, till he appeared, and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. 
fall on your knees. Oh, hear the angel voices. O night divine, O night when Christ was born. Led by the light of faith serenely beaming, with glowing hearts by his cradle we stand. So led by light of a star sweetly gleaming, here came the wise men from Orient land. The king of kings lay thus in lowly manger, in all our trials born to be our friend. He knows our need. To our weakness, he is no stranger. Behold your king, before him lowly bend. On this, O holy night, as the star is brightly shining, may we be as wise as the wise men of old and bow at his manger throne. Have a great Christmas day and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.